Well, this week I had the distinct privilege and pleasure of getting to do some strategic planning, some long-range thinking as much as we can in this season with my friends Sue and Amy. And we chose a place down near Yosemite to be able to do our long-range planning. It was really, really fruitful. And then we spent two days in Yosemite. I am embarrassed to say it took me 50 years to finally get to see this place. Oh my word. The power of this place. I took some pictures. Take a look. The power of this place. This is truly a cathedral of God's glory. Some of you connect best and most in creation. You need to get outside, people. Whether it's Upper Park or drive over to the coast or go down, sit by Sacramento River or wherever it is, God's cathedral is open. The heavens are telling the glory of God. That's what Psalm 19 says. So as I'm in this place experiencing the power of God, how can you be in a place like that and not believe that there's a God who created it, that this is somehow all by accident? And it's interesting because a storm came through and people were scurrying around. You would have thought it was the end of the world as you knew it. I mean, it's just like, we're battening down the hatches. Of course, people were also staying in tents and it was raining and it was getting down to freezing. It was supposed to snow. The low last night was 18 degrees in the valley. So it's interesting that even a little storm coming through shows the power that we see. In nature, and it reflects the power of our God, just a little tiny bit of reflecting his power in these created things. There was a Nobel Prize winning doctor from the last century who said this, prayer is a force as real as terrestrial gravity. As a physician, I have seen men lived, lifted out of sickness by the power of prayer. It is only the power, it is the only power in the world that over comes the laws of nature. And as much as I was taken by power in nature, there is something that is greater than that, and that is the power of God moving somehow because we actually cry out to him and ask. Prayer somehow moves the hand of God. Max Lucado says this, You are never more like Jesus than when you pray for others. There is a compassion and a love and a power that comes from the insides out. If you're a Jesus follower from the Holy Spirit, pouring out prayers because we want to see others succeed, walk in blessing, have pain diminish and bring direction and encouragement. Max is right, because Jesus models this for us in his empowered life. He lives a spirit-empowered life. I talked about that last week. That Jesus lays aside his abilities to do things like Superman, the God-man. And I believe he sets aside those abilities. That's what Philippians 2 says. Philippians 2, 5 through 10, if you want to look it up. And he steps into this place of only doing what he sees his father doing. And he only does that through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
That's why Hebrews says that he was tempted in every way, yet doesn't sin. How could he be tempted fully if he's got the Superman God S on his chest? He can't. He's 100% God and 100% human. At the same time, he decides he's going to lay aside those special abilities as God and only live under the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? So that you and I can follow his example and live like he did. So Jesus is 100% God, 100% man, but he chooses to live and submits himself as we should under the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, we're going to do the same stuff he did. He, we're gonna, we can live an empowered life just like him. Take a look at John 14, verse 12. It says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Jesus is giving this little talk over the Last Supper and he's saying, look, I've got to leave you, but if I leave you, I'm going to give you a gift of the Holy Spirit, God living inside you so that you'll have all the power to be able to do these things that I have been doing. Greater things, greater things than raising the dead or healing the blind. Well, greater because there's many more of us than there was of him. He was localized in his body in this earth. It was only Jesus walking around doing what he was doing. Now across the world, you could have people being healed and set free in Japan and New Zealand and Germany and Chico, Alaska, all at the same time. Will we do greater things? We'll do much more things than Jesus did. Although if you took all the things that Jesus did, John says, it would fill up all the books in all the world. So Jesus really did some amazing things, but he says, you will do even greater things. And when you're asking God, verse 13, and, when, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. When we're praying according to his will, according to, to what he's doing, when we're joining him in the work that he's already doing, he we will bear much fruit. We will see God move. So this morning, we're going to continue this series that I'm calling Discovering the Mysteries of the Kingdom. Why? Because God is a God of mystery. The secret things belong to God, he says in Deuteronomy. And Paul constantly is talking about the mystery of Christ and the things Jesus says that, that I have hidden from the wise that I've made known to you, those who follow me. And he speaks these in parables and different things. This is not a secret knowledge. It's all right out there for us to see. With, for those who have eyes to see, let them see. And who have ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. So as we're going, we're also going through this little book called Jesus Secrets, written by Amy's uncle, Lynn Corey. This is a Jesus Secrets for Advancing the Kingdom Today. This is not for retreating. This is not for hanging out. This is not Jesus' secret so that we can be like 3,000 Bible verses overweight. No, this is Jesus' secret so that we can advance, so that we would actually be doing the work that Jesus was doing. So we're actually looking this week at the stuff that's in chapter five. And spoiler alert, we're going to actually take two weeks to talk about this because it's such a big topic. And this chapter and this message I'm entitling, Discovering the Secret of Living the Empowered Life. 
And I would say, I would add a word probably to this, discovering the secret of living the spirit-empowered life. So this morning, we're gonna see that Jesus sent his followers out. He gave some specific instructions to live in empowered ways. I'm gonna take, take note of what it looks like to put the kingdom on display in a powerful way. We're gonna see just two aspects of living a spirit-empowered life. We'll get to see more next week. And my hope is that you're gonna be inspired and challenged to take a little bit more risk. Get out of the comfort zone, pray with a bit more passion or faith and see what God's gonna do. We're gonna finish this morning just by praying that you have an increased discernment of understanding what to see where God is working so you can join him in the work, be able to hear his voice so that you can be led by the spirit. So turn to Luke 9 if you've got your Bible or you can look at the screen right here behind me. We're gonna take a spin around a few verses here. As usual, I've had two cups of coffee, so I'm really excited. Luke 9, verse 1. When Jesus had called the 12 together, these are the disciples, the 12 disciples, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So, under Jewish law, if I sent you out as a, as a representative of myself or a neighborhood church, I could authorize you as a messenger to act with full legal authority to whatever extent that I would give you. So in this case, Jesus is going, okay, I'm sending you as my messenger and you have full authority to be able to Go and do all the things that I do. And I believe that Jesus at this point gives them access to the Holy Spirit's power. They're not doing this because they're doing magic. And so they begin walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you'll notice here in this verse that healing or healing the sick or praying for healing actually accompanies the message of Jesus. That wherever you see the message of Jesus, by the way, it's like, oh, Jesus has the power to change your life. Now, he'll change it in every way, but even physically, he already paid for your healing in the cross when he died. He's already paid that price. That work has, was finished back on the cross. So healing or these things of power authenticates the power of Jesus. So how does it go for these 12 guys? We know they're kind of challenged. What happens? Luke 9, verse 6. So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. So they went out. They were given authority to go do it. The Holy Spirit filled them up. And they went. And great things happened. Okay, those were the 12 guys. Those guys are special. We can't really compare ourselves to those guys. Well, I think we can, but just to prove to you that Jesus is gonna go way further than this, let's look at the next chapter, Luke 10, verse one. After the Lord appointed, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Verse nine. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. 
Now, Jesus has other various instructions, but I'm just boiling it down for you and, and helping you understand that healing the sick, praying for healing for those who are ill, hurt, have issues, this is normal in the kingdom. If you want to advance in the kingdom, this is normal. And so they go out, these other 72 people, they go out two by two. I think there's a lot of reasons they get sent out two by two. I think in some ways they get sent out two by two because it's really easy to get discouraged one by one. I think sometimes when you go out one by one, you might get pride that somehow you did it. But if my friend and, and I are praying for someone, we're doing it together. I just think it's, it's a powerful picture of us not doing this Christian life by ourselves. So they go two by two. How does it go for these 72 more? I'm glad you asked. Skip down to verse 17. Luke 10, verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. That might kind of freak some of you out, but I'm here to tell you that's still a real thing today. People still have a lot of spiritual conflict. Now, a lot of times they don't want to talk about it or they're calling it other things, but there's a serious spiritual conflict. And in this case, they're like, we prayed for these people and they got set free. There was healing for them, sozo, healing completely, salvation completely for them. So then Jesus tells his disciples this in verse 23 and 24. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. In other words, there's been centuries of people that would have been waiting to see the kingdom like this. You're living in such an amazing time. And I would say to us, we're living in such an amazing time because we get the Holy Spirit full time living inside us for those of us who follow Jesus. So first aspect of a spirit-empowered life is healing. James 5. This is New Testament. James is writing. It says, is there any of you in trouble? He should pray. Good idea. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any of you sick? He should call on the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Having some physical issues? You should get prayer. So, in the New Testament church, I love this. There's room for being authentic. You're coming in, dragging. You got the black cloud that we were talking about earlier uh, over your head. Let's, get, let's, let's pray and encourage you. If you're joyful and you're dancing, there's a place for you. If you're sick and you need prayer, absolutely, let's get you prayed for. Let's see God move on your, on your behalf. Wherever you are this morning, this is a space for you. Now for the sick, asking for prayer. There is some humility baked into this, isn't there? There's something wrong with me. In most cultures, that's a little bit of a like, I don't know if I should say that. I don't know if I, I don't want to be the center of attention. I know just going through having a broken leg, I, that was the worst part. I'm like, please don't point me out. I'm trying to blend in right now. I don't want everybody to look at me. I don't want everybody to feel sorry for me. I can make it. I can open the door myself. 
But there is a willingness to receive that's so important. And I prayed for one of our key leaders this morning. I said, how's it going? He said, well, I got this stuff going on. I said, well, let me, this is great. I'm so glad that you shared it with me so I could love you this way. Can I pray for you is a powerful statement. Some of you are scared to death by that statement. Wait, I got to pray out loud? I'm going to have to like pray in King James English. Oh Lord, how incredibly huge you are. And the breakfast cereals and the fruit bats and the orangutans. And I'm just thanking you for everything. If you don't get that reference, it's okay. The idea is that you don't have to sound a certain way. You don't have to do a certain thing. God's really into the short prayers. He loves them. Can I pray for you? And it's sometimes it's just putting your hand on their shoulder and saying, Lord, you know Roxy, you see her. Will you just come and touch her? Would you come and heal her in this way in Jesus' name? That's it. In fact, sometimes, depending upon where you are, that's more appropriate. When you're in the store, it's not a 15-minute prayer opportunity usually. The Lord might lead you there. Who knows? But have you ever prayed for someone's healing out loud before? What if you tried it this week? What if you just said, Lord, point out the person who's got an issue. Trust me, if you pray that prayer, he will show you. Someone will cough, someone will sneeze, someone will limp, someone will complain. Sorry, someone will happen to say that they've got an issue. And, you, and your, your line is, can I pray for you? Do, you? do you got this line? Do you got it down? Can I pray for you? Some of you are scared to death. I just love it. I'm here to comfort the uncomfortable and make the comfortable uncomfortable. What if our church, this body of believers, and those of you who are online, what if every week, every day, we look for opportunities to pray for people that are, that are struggling, that are hurting? They're all around us. By the way, we don't just have to talk about physical healing. Do you know somebody who's gone through a bad breakup or a divorce or their business has gone sideways? They've got some emotional stuff that they need healing for? You can pray for that. You know somebody who is struggling because something else has happened in their life and they've suffered loss, lost a loved one, and that healing has to, happens to be comfort? This verse talks about the elders of the church. By the way, they are not the only ones to pray for healing. We all can pray for healing for others. And anointing oil just represents uh, the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, next verse, verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Okay, prayer is effective. Faith has a role in healing. But oftentimes, it's actually not the faith of the person receiving the prayer. Sometimes it's the faith of the person that is seeking out healing like the woman who touches the garment of Jesus or others who say, you just say it, Jesus, and it will be there. But this is not, here at Neighborhood, we're not gonna be like on the faith rat wheel. Well, you didn't get healed because you didn't have enough faith. 
well, how do you explain all the non-Christians that I've prayed for that have been healed then? When we as street pastors pray for this guy with a hurt knee and we say, well, try it out. And he starts trying it out and he starts looking at us and he's totally freaked out. He says, how did you do that? What did you just do to me? We didn't do anything. We didn't even touch you. But why, my pain is all gone. Yes, because Jesus loves you. Did he have any faith? Pfft, no. If anyone at the altar ever tells you, well, you didn't get healed because you didn't have enough faith, please send them to me and let me help them get it right. Because that is not true. Does faith have a role in healing? Well, apparently it does because James 5 says it. But we're not about blame and shame. We're about empowering. We're about helping you step into what God's doing. We're into learning. Frankly, I don't have it all down and figured out. I will never have it down and figured out. And healing is a little bit of like the, do you remember the old um, ABC Wild Wide World of Sports? The thrill of victory. Dun, 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 dun. And the agony of defeat. And that poor guy who's like, who's like end over, end over, end down the ski hill, right? Healing is like that. There are victories where we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, God, that's amazing. We prayed for Dave and Jamie Dahlberg's little infant who is still growing and she doesn't need heart surgery. God did a divine work. It's been proven by six doctors. That's the thrill of victory. And yet we prayed for three people in our services in the last month who are gravely ill. One completely got healed, which was God, and the other two passed away. And that is the agony of defeat. But do I stop praying for people because it doesn't work every time? No, because God's not a cosmic vending machine. This is not about a formula to, well, if I do this, then you've got to give me this, God. This is, this is a relationship with the God of the universe who says, I want to come and work and move among you. So what if I pray for you and you don't get healed? Will you think that God's not real? I don't know. It's not my problem. It's not your problem. You don't have to wear that. Guess what you get to do? Just love them. Guess what they'll feel? Love. I wish I had a dollar for every single person who said no one's ever prayed for me out loud before. So many people. You're like, but you're old. How in the world has no one prayed for you ever out loud before? I don't know. No one's ever prayed for me before. So, God's not a vending machine. He doesn't have a formula. This is not about that. I do this and you get that. But healing is also not just random and like playing the lottery. Some of you pray like it's like, oh God, I'm just throwing up a prayer here. Hope this works out. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody somewhere won, they won a, 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 an answered prayer at some point. So I'm just gonna keep playing. If you're sons and daughters of the king, you have access to the throne room of God. You can boldly approach and go, God, this is who you are. This is, this is someone that you love. I know you love them. So will you come and work? And there is a perseverance to prayer that the North American church doesn't get that says, if I pray for you once, sorry, I guess we prayed. And I mean, we just kind of threw it up there and it didn't work out. <laughs> It's like, no, 
I want you to come back every week and I want to pray for you every week. Some people are embarrassed. Like, I don't know, I went out forward and I got prayer and then nothing happened and now I feel really guilty and I don't want to show up and I don't want them to be disappointed and frustrated. Please come back. Don't leave. You know, Jesus even had to minister to the blind man more than once. He heals him and it's like, what do you see? Uh, I see men like trees. In other words, I'm not fully healed. I don't have 2020 yet. Jesus goes, okay, wait a second. Ah, there we go. Okay, great. If Jesus has to persevere, certainly we should. So when I see someone with a physical struggle, I automatically ask, Jesus, am I supposed to go and pray for this person right now? Now, some of us don't ask that question because we don't want to know the answer because we don't want to be put, put on the spot. But God is parading opportunities in front of us all the time. When we had little kids, our little kids would say, hey, mom, that person's got a broken leg. I think we should go pray for them. And when your little kid is telling you that, you're like, I guess I should do that right now. Some of you need to be praying for healing with your kids, no matter how big your kids are. And if there is someone sick among you, you should pray. Do you have to pray long? Nope. Does it have to have lots of flowery words? Nope. Is there any secret formula? Nope. Some of you are really struggle with this because you just haven't seen it firsthand. You're like, but I haven't seen it right in front of me. And God is mysterious in the way he works. But you don't have because you don't ask. That's what James says. I figure I see a lot of people get healed because I'm just asking all the time. If you ask more often, you're going to see more people get healed. What if, what if they don't get healed? But Andrew, I'm still stuck on that. What if they don't get healed on the spot? It's okay. I just explained to him, you know what? God sometimes heals over time. And we're, I'm just gonna keep praying for you. And they will feel loved and cared for, which is way more important probably than whatever physical stuff is going on. Let me give a commercial for specific prayer. Some of you, some of us, are really good at, oh, God, bless them. What does that mean? What does that mean? How do you want God to bless that person? How do you want God to heal that person? For instance, when I'm at the hospital, it's really easy. I'll say, what are the oxygen levels we're praying for? We're praying for 90. Is that what we're praying for? We're like 90. Like 90 is an oxygen saturation level at least, right? So 90 is the, whatever, I mean, this happens to be oxygen saturation. So now, Lord, we're praying for 90. We're praying for 90 in Jesus' name. That's, wait, that's the whole prayer? Yeah. Help God, we need 90. And then if you really want to go out on a limb, God, would you give us 90 right now? Would you give us 90 in the next hour? Because when you're more specific, it's easier for them to see if God came through or not. But you're putting God on, God on the spot. You bet I am. When I'm more specific with my prayers, people see that it's God. They feel loved. And that's super important to me. If you, if you don't catch that, you're missing it because 1 Corinthians 13 is clear. You get the gifts without love, eh. But guys, 
the more specifically you pray, then all of a sudden you can go, see, we prayed for that and that's what God did. Not what I did. That's like saying the doctor gets credit when he like catches the baby. He just happened to be in the room when it happened. Like he hands him off. Other times I tell people, when God does this for you, send me a message. Why would I say that? <gasps> you're putting, you're gonna put God to the test. Absolutely I am. Because I expect God to move. And he may not answer it exactly the way that I want, when I want it, but he's going to answer. God always answers. He's always moving. He may not heal the broken bone immediately, but he'll begin doing some stuff in here. And that sometimes is more important and it has to happen first before this happens out here. Man, there's so much more I can say. I've preached whole messages on this. You can go to our website uh, and hear more about healing. I'm incredibly passionate about this. Why? Because it's a tangible way that we bring God's kingdom on earth. And it's so fun. Oh my gosh, it's so fun. So healing is a distinctive of those who follow Jesus and live the empowered life. What's your line? Can I pray for you? That's your line. So what's your line? Can I pray for you? You should practice that line. Maybe it'll be, it'll come a little bit easier. Uh, second aspect, real quick before we close, is simply hearing God's voice. Now this is where our friends in YOM have been such a gift to us. Because this idea of hearing the voice of God is so central from the very beginning of YWAM and it will always be a key tenet. And it's so important to us. Why? Because we wanna be spirit-led people. We wanna be naturally supernatural. We wanna continue to, to let God lead us. Where do we find this? Even in the Old Testament, Isaiah 30, verse 21. When you turn to the right or the left, your, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. This is the way. Psalm 85, verse 8. I will listen to what God the Lord will say. He, he promises peace to his people, his saints. But let them not return to folly. So in the Old Testament, it talks about God speaking. But what about the New Testament? Jesus makes this a big deal. John 16, verse 13. When he, the spirit of truth comes, that's the Holy Spirit living inside of us, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is to come. Another part of this talks about the Holy Spirit reminds us of the words of Jesus. Those of you who say, my memory's not that good, good news, you've got the Holy Spirit. He's gonna remind you of what Jesus says. So Jesus also gives the metaphor in John 10 where he says, in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then in 14, it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. We're familiar. We got relationship. Just the father knows me and I know the father and I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. And they too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Last two verses, verse 27 and 28. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. So the good shepherd is speaking and we're his sheep. And yet 
we are all like sheep who go astray each to our own way. And yet Jesus keeps calling us back. He's willing to leave the 99 to come and get us off some cliff that we've gotten ourselves on and bring us back. So what does it mean to hear God's voice? Audibly? Does God speak audibly? Sometimes. But for me, rarely. It's only been a couple times in my life. One time, I was sitting in a staff meeting here at Neighborhood Church, and as clear as day, I heard this phrase, you are to have an honoring ministry. And I went like this. Everybody else is praying. And I'm like, I'm going crazy. You are here to, I'm like, what is going on? And then it was like the Lord said, uh, this is me. Remember me? Don't you recognize my voice? Uh, apparently not. I guess I need to listen more often. God has been unfolding and unpacking that word for the last 22 years. It's powerful. But it it's not always audible. In fact, it's rarely audible for me. It's a passing thought, a mental picture, a flashing image, a Bible verse, sometimes a dream. I think this is God, but it's got to line up with scripture. It can't, it can't conflict with scripture and it should bear good fruit. We ask the question a lot. Um, we ask questions of God in the office. For instance, when we have an opportunity to uh, do something benevolent, we give money to a cause or a ministry or an individual. And especially with all the natural disasters we've had, we've had a lot of opportunities to do this. More than one of us will say, let's ask the Lord that he'll give us, that he'll speak to us and give us a number of how much to give. And so in 10, 15 minutes, we'll gather back together. There's usually at least two of us. A lot of times it's Amy and I. I can't tell you how many times it's almost exactly the right number. It's like the same number. It's like, wow, how did that happen? Like we didn't even talk about it. And the Lord was just showing us. He just brought the, brought the number to my head. And so then I shared it. And sometimes it's a really big number. You're like, I don't know what she's going to think about this. She heads up finance. This is a big number. Okay. But do I water it down or change it? No. I'll take a risk and step out and say, I think God's saying this. And then oftentimes she'll say, I think God's saying something very similar. It's like, oh, thanks God for leading us. Thanks for helping us. As leaders, we need to be willing to ask God, God, what do I do here? Where should I go? Um, I just saw this little graphic I want to share with you just for a minute. Um, it, it has to do with God's voice and Satan's voice. Because the enemy of your soul is constantly speaking to you as much as God is constantly speaking to you. His goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. We know that from John 10. We know that he is a liar. We know he's an accuser. He's the one that brings your sins to you and goes, you can't do this because of this. So God's voice calms, whereas Satan's voice obsesses. God's voice comforts, Satan's voice worries. God's voice convicts and says, yeah, this, oh, you're right, God. Okay, yeah, I can see that, that that's wrong. Whereas Satan's voice condemns. God's voice encourages, enlightens, leads, reassures, and stills. Whereas the voice of the enemy discourages and confuses and pushes and frightens and rushes. How oftentimes do we rush into something thinking, we gotta take the bull by the horns, and yet God is not leading and helping, and it's like, 
we have been duped into doing the wrong thing and the wrong timing. Sometimes you get confirmation before you act. Sometimes God will show you something and then you look to see where God is working and he's gonna like give you some confirmation. Like you're gonna be praying about something and then all of a sudden, whoop, someone says that exact phrase. You're like, whoa, is it a coincidence? Nope, there are no coincidences in the kingdom. They're just little breadcrumbs for those of us who are dense to follow Jesus. Like, oh, that's the same thing as I was praying. This must be God. I think I'm gonna step out. If you're like me, that's how it is. Sometimes it's ridiculous. It's like the song on the radio, the billboard on the thing, the next, the, like the verse that I read that morning in my quiet time. I'm like, whoa, this is like all the same stuff. Hello, this is God trying to get your attention. So I had a dream a couple days ago while we were down in Central California. And the dream, uh, it was, all it was was uh, the word Blair. Blair. And in my dream, I had enough... Um, I, was, I was awake. I was right before I wa- woke up. That's usually a lot of times when God shows me things. I'm like, what's Blair? I don't know what Blair is. B-L-A-I-R. And I felt like the Lord showed me like this little whoop, this, like, this little definition, like you look it up on the internet and it said, uh, a place or a home. And I woke up and I thought, okay, I need to look up some stuff right now. So I, I look on the internet and what is Blair? It's a plane, it's a Scottish word. It's oftentimes a battlefield. And I'm like, huh, this is so strange. So I'm hiking with my friend, Mike Wadlow. And I'm like, hey, Mike, I had this dream last night. And here's what it was, but isn't that interesting? He said, huh, Andrew, that's really interesting. Like a week ago, I had a dream about our house and that our house, these people came in and they were shooting up our house and we had to like duck and like get out of there. Like somebody was, was, we were at war in our house. I thought, huh, I think those two things go together. So I've just been praying about it for the last 24 hours. And when we were worshiping, the Lord was like, this is what this is. This is how these two words go together. You and Michael are working on a project to help people in the church get their houses cleansed from spiritual issues. You're, you're planning on launching it this month. I'm pushing you, get it done. I'm like, oh, okay, I know what I'm doing this week. I'm getting that thing done. Why? Because the word is your home is a battlefield and it needs to be a place of peace. There's nothing magic about what we're gonna do. We're gonna come in and we're gonna pray blessing for your home. And we're gonna kick anything out that doesn't belong there. And you've got the authority, it's your home to do that. And we're gonna walk you through it. But those, it's so amazing. God is so good to give two dreams to two dudes who are working together who couldn't figure it out on our own. But once we compared notes and then I just sat with Jesus with it and went, all right, Jesus, I don't know what this means, but I know you're gonna show me. It was just like, boop, thanks for asking. Here it is. Oh, that was a kick in the tail. Thanks, God. Appreciate that. Okay, here we go. So, What if something comes to your mind? You're in the store and you get this like inclination to do something kind for someone or to buy their coffee or to do something or to help a neighbor, to act, to serve, to love, to give. Does that sound like God? Does it interfere with what God says in his word? No, then you should just then step out. What if it's not God? Uh, Is loving someone a problem for you? Then after you love them, you get to see the fruit. 
when they're like, oh my gosh, and, the, and the, it's exponential fruit, right? There is a disproportionate return for the little investment you made, right? When I go next door and clean out the leaves out of my next door neighbor's gutters, and all of a sudden, this is a really, really big deal. I'm like, it's not a big deal. It's like just things with stuff. It takes like a couple minutes. And, but God is working then. God is then moving and working to build relationship and favor. Sometimes God's going to give you a scripture for someone. You're just going to get a scripture and you're like, ah, I feel like I'm supposed to share this with this person. Sometimes God's going to bring someone to mind. That is the time to start praying for them right then. Do not wait till later. Do not make a list. Do not write it down. Pray for them right then. And then send them a message straight away. God brought you to mind, praying for you right now. I cannot tell you how many times that's come back. I can't believe that. What do you mean? This is where I am right now, and I'm in an absolute crisis. Guess what? I just got information to pray more into. Okay, and then I just put it right into the thing. Jesus, go, help, deliver, heal, whatever the thing is with my thumbs. Send. Done. Is that hard? No. Is it obedience? Yes. And does it get really fun when they say, you're never going to believe how well that turned out. And you're just, yeah, God. So I need to wrap this up. I could talk about this all day long. This is what we carry at Neighborhood Church. Our goal is to completely indoctrinate you in this topic. Does your phone tell you when it's the spam risk? Do you get that? I figured it wasn't just me. It's like spam risk. I don't know that person. Oh, they're telling me that it might be a telemarketer. I got a new plan for that. I usually just silence my phone. What if we did this? We all get the spam risk thing. What if you just happened to have a little bit of free time, even if it's a couple minutes, and you got that spam risk thing? Instead of just hitting delete or hold, what if you answered it and said, I'm so glad you called. Tell me why I'm supposed to be praying for you right now. How much fun could you have? By the way, you never have to see them. You don't know their name. Well, unless they say, hi, it's Marvin. This car will be recorded and monitored for quality purposes. Okay, Marvin, fine. But before you give me your spiel, you need to tell me how I'm supposed to pray for you because you're only calling because God has ordained a conversation between you and I. They may hang up on you. That's okay. You were going to hang up on them anyway. But what if, what if God moved in that way? One time, years ago, I got a telemarketing call. And I took it and I listened to the spiel and I just said, I'm sorry, I'm not really interested. Take me off your list but I wonder how I can pray for you. And you could hear the, the woman sobbing on the other end. And I'm like, whoa, I just thought I was kind of being funny, but now this is like a real thing. Yes, that's a real person on the other end. Well, my husband's just left me and I don't know how I'm gonna, I'm gonna get through things. Can I just pray for you right here on the phone? Oh, right, right here, right, right now? Yeah, it won't take long. Just, just like two minutes, just let me. 
pray and just praying God's grace and favor. I want to be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. When I walk in, I want all the unclean things to go, oh man. Why? Because I want to love people by living in a spirit-empowered life. Let me drop one more quote on you. Um, It's A.W. Tozer. Tozer was a friend of the pastor of the church in Oakland that birthed Neighborhood Church. He would oftentimes come to dinner at the pastor's house. And many times Tozer had very hard things to say to that guy. And I can imagine him saying something like this. Most Christians don't hear God's voice because we've already decided we aren't going to do what he says. Yeah, that sounds like Tozer. I'm willing, God. I'm willing. Stand with me. I just want to pray a blessing over us. And uh, prayer teams, if you'd come forward. My sense is that um, there are some people here who need healing. And uh, if that's you, I really want you to, I want to encourage you to, to either come up, have somebody in the front pray for you, or just grab somebody around you and say, will you pray for this? And if you don't feel comfortable, just say, I don't feel comfortable with that. Okay, it's okay. But we really want to step out in this. We want to move in this. Next week, we'll talk more about the spirit-empowered life. It's going to be fun. Jesus, you model what it looks like to have this incredibly full, exciting, adventure-filled life. Lord, thank you that loving others is our greatest adventure. Lord, thank you that you have divine appointments for us. Thank you, God, that we've got our line down. Can I pray for you? Lord, I pray for incredible encouragement and courage to be released right now in Jesus' name. That this army of people would go out and just try and see that you're good. See that you want to move. See that you're going you're gonna to actually move the needle. You're going to love through them. So I pray for an increased ability to hear your voice. Lord, I pray for dreams and visions and words and mental pictures and little things. And Lord, just give us the faith to step out on those things and to see what you're doing, God. Thank you for this family that I love. Make us dangerous for your kingdom. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks for you on the stream. We're looking forward to seeing you next week.